0: Hello, everyone. Welcome once again to Comedy History 101. And again, we hope everyone is safe and well. Today, we have part two of our episode on the history of the Texas comedy outlaws. In this episode, we are going to dive into the Sam Kenison origin story. And before we jump into the episode, take some time to like, subscribe, and comment. On Comedy History 101, wherever you get your podcast, be it iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or our website, Comedy History 101. And without further ado, Stop, everybody's
1: so stupid. Good thing about doing comedy in Russia have captured the audience. stop stupid everybody's so stupid.
2: Comedy history 101.
1: I know a lot of you come here, you watch TV, you wait every night for somebody to come on here and give you an answer for your lives, waiting for someone that'll come and say, hey, this is it. I don't have to settle for defeat anymore. I can rise up out of my routine. I can get a hold of myself. I don't have to lose. I can win. There's something inside me that's not going to let me go down anymore. But I'm not the guy.
0: And what you heard up there was a clip of Sam Kennison, who was part of the Texas Comedy Outlaws. He got his start in Houston, Texas at the Comedy Workshop. And of course, you've tuned in to another episode of Comedy History 101, where we school you in comedy. I, of course, and Harmon Leon. With me, as always, is Scott Colonico. So, Scott, why don't you tell us about the climate which brought about the rise of Sam Kennison and Bill Hicks at the comedy workshop in the 80s? You kind of, you,
3: you, you, you get it when you're reading the articles. Mm-hmm. It's just like, you know, because this is before people were all jaded about stand-up comedy. This is stamped stand-up comedy. This is a new right. thing. You're in Houston where all these people had all this money to throw Oh, around. got oil money, and I bet they're coming yeah. in
0: with uh, big eight balls of coke.
3: <laughs> yeah, and these guys were like, also, yeah, you're, you're right there by the border. Coke comes over easy. And these guys are kind of like the new rock stars. And, like, I think it was a quote from Hicks or one of these right. comedy outlaw guys or Tom was like, yeah, but I mean, people were waiting. You know, you're about to go up and do a show, and there are people waiting an hour to go into the club to, you know, watch these shows and just, like, have a good time. And that was, this is even before. Um, drink minimum because everybody was just drinking so it didn't matter
0: yeah and just to digress on one of the other comedy outlaws uh jimmy pineapple there's a video of him on the uh texas comedy outlaw youtube channel of i think it might have been the andy higgins guy telling a story about jimmy and it's all like filmed back in the 80s and about like how he did maybe about like 30 shots on stage like people just kept sending up (laughs) trays of shots and he just kept doing them. We finished in Corpus, had a horrible week,
2: but we drank either free or real cheap. I thought
1: we had, an you I and think. Thought we had
2: a great time. Yeah, anyway, so we go, to, we go to some bar, and we drink all afternoon. we got to be in Alice that night, so we drink till oh, an hour and a half before showtime. <laughs> then we make the drive. It takes about 45 minutes to an hour to get there.
1: Jeez.
2: We get to the club, we drink a little bit, show starts. I go up, Dante, Jimmy's headline, Jimmy goes up. He's been up about two or three minutes and he polishes off his Jack Daniels. And people in the, it's been it's a horrible crowd. And they kind of catch on to the fact that he likes to drink. So somebody sends him up another one and he finishes that in about, oh, 30 seconds. So then the waitress comes up with this tray. Jimmy tries to take one. She says, no, they're all yours. So he puts them all off the tray onto the onto the stool up there on the dance floor where he's working. He's got like eight drinks. One by one, he, you know, he's, he's throwing them down. And, and he starts to do Beyond jokes. material at and they point. And they yell, no, drink, drink. So he has to stop after, you know, the setup and down something. She brings another tray. He's been up like 20, 25 minutes. He's on his second tray, you know? Two waitresses come up with trays to take the empties
0: away. I mean, you couldn't get away with any of that shit now. You know, it's just like, uh, you know, anyone doing like 10 shots of booze on stage. in a Well, first of all, there's no live comedy anymore. But second. Well, not right now. (laughs) But second, (laughs) like just. Not in Corona time. If if a comedian did that like now, uh, the manager would be waiting for him off stage and just going, we have to have a talk. Yeah. I think you no, need no. to take you... a break.
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, well, they, these guys were all kind of like partiers. I mean, actually, so there was a um, – and uh throw in my Houston two cents, I've been here. There is a bar. So the Comedy Annex uh, and the workshop were located in the downtown c- – kind of next door to downtown right? Houston uh, area. And there was a, kind of a yuppie bar, and, and it's still there, actually. It's called Beer Paredes, which is like kind of your um, – Kind of Italian, kind of kitchen, but it was also back in the '80s. It was like a big yuppie hangout. All the yuppies would go hang out. But the comedy workshop guys all turned this into their their club. Mm -hmm. They would go to after they they would all do shows. They'd hang out. They'd all show up there. Yeah, yeah, they would go hang out, but they would there and be, just go in there and be really obnoxious and make fun of the yuppies, and they'd get away with it because they were comedians. Yeah, you know, and everybody's like loved them. Oh, and the owner of the uh, oh. yeah, and the owner of Beer Peretti's loved them, and they also, but they also apparently at one point uh, they were drinking so much that the owner of the club gave them their own credit card. Yeah. <laughs> was like, Oh, here, just charge it to your own tab, oh, and at so the end of the year, they, <laughs> uh, yeah, eventually they built up a, a tab. Mm-hmm. Which uh, I will ch- I will check this while you do other things. Yeah. But they 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 built up a tab. This is in 1980. Let's say 1986 dollars. <sighs> they built up a tab of of three thousand. There was 3,500 dollars I think was the tab. And so in order to pay it off, uh, they did a comedy show at Beer Paredes. And there's actually a picture that you can find on our uh, Comedy History 101 dot com website where it's bill hicks and one of the other outlaw comedy guys I can't remember which one it is but they're holding up the bar tab from beer peretti's the $3,500 bar tab oh
0: wow 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 and wasn't this a time yeah. in texas when ecstasy was legal and and first yeah, of all how well, did that go under the radar <laughs> i know that like, it's kind of it's like how did
3: that yeah, happen yeah <laughs> Um. Yeah. Th- so this is like. Yeah. Well. Wait, before we had. Yeah. So these guys were all doing ecstasy. They're all doing coke. Yeah. So ecstasy was legal. Yeah. It, it was just like LSD. LSD was legal. Oh, right. Um. It, it, California was the first state that made it illegal. They made it illegal in '67.
0: Yeah. California is like, no, only our military can do that when the, yeah, so when they don't the know when and we and dose the, them and in the CIA. chart uh, what what happens and the effects. Yeah, while well, watching the through uh,
3: uh, a that.
0: two-way mirror. Yeah,
3: exactly. <laughs> In San Francisco, at yeah, a brothel. Yeah, I, I, um, yep, yep. I know yeah, the story. so they yep. they. But there's uh, before we get into that. I mean, so basically, at, around this time. 1985- um, 1986 there was a big um, apartment complex in the middle of Houston, middle of downtown Houston, right. not too far from the annex, not too far from Beard Paredes called the Houston House Apartments, which is still there to this mm-hmm. day where s- for some reason the uh, they convinced uh, Bill Hicks convinced, the manager that he could get a, uh, they should give him a free like a rent free apartment. Oh wow. Because uh, because he was kind of a TV star at that point and they kind of believed him so they gave him this rent free Mm apartment and then it turned out a a couple of the other comedians move in there. Let me see which ones they were. It was I think it was Pineapple and Higgins moved in there. Yeah, and so they would all be living in this apartment, and at this time they would they would just have these all night parties. They'd go to their show, yep. they'd have all night parties, and that was it. They and the night before ecstasy became illegal, they had like a legendary party oh, wow. where I think it was pineapple. Somebody went out and bought you know as much ecstasy as they could. Yeah. They basically just had. Where this, would like, you buy it? Who would party.
0: be selling this legal ecstasy? I don't
3: know. Back. Yeah. Would just you back your doctor days, give you a old...
0: prescription or? I
3: don't know. I don't know what they were doing. With we it. just I mean,
0: get it like, at the head shop.
3: <laughs> I think they're still experimenting. with ah, it. right. Yeah, I think that was that was like one of those things where like, okay, maybe we should. Um, um, yeah. So it was Hicks, pineapple, and Huggins where the people that are all living in the. Um, Houston House Apartments, and uh, so Hicks, they, he had a p- penthouse up in the top floor, and, or one of the top floors, and just had big parties, mm-hmm. and, you know, that lived the life yeah. of rock stars. Uh, well,
0: here's, here's the thing was, like, yeah, I mean, again, like, there's always these cities where there's the local heroes, you know, uh, be it, like, in the Midwest, or in Texas, or whatever, you got your group of comedians that are, like, the huge stars, of that city and just they could sell out all the clubs and whatnot. But for Hicks, um, Jay Leno um, passed through the comedy workshop and saw Hicks perform. And because of that performance, like seeing him perform in Houston, um, he got him... Uh, booked on the Letterman show.
1: My next guest is a stand-up comedian. He is making his network
0: television debut on this program tonight. He is working this weekend at the Comedy Workshop in Houston,
1: Texas. Please give a warm welcome to Bill Hicks. Good evening. Good evening. My name is Bill Hicks. Thank you. Full name is William Melvin Hicks. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> it's a name with certain connotations, huh? Hi, my name is Melvin Hicks. This is my wife and my sister. <laughs> okay, man. Well. And it, this is like early,
0: mid-'80s Letterman, you know, just at the height, mm-hmm. and back when, right. you, know, one, you know, being on Letterman or being on Carson, your career's like, you're golden, like, after that. So he was, like, doing regular performances on Letterman, and living in Houston at the time. So he was like, you know, in Houston terms, just, you know, superstar.
3: Yeah, I mean, those guys were all, they, they thought, you know, they, they were like, well, why do we have to go anywhere else? You know, we're in Houston, everything's going here, we've got the workshop, we've got the annex, you know, it's all happening, Is so that we don't, we don't have to go anywhere, you know. But um, the interesting thing, the, these guys were all friggin' like, diehard road comedians, and this is the time, you know, right during the comedy right. boom. I think the the story that they tell is like Bill Hicks was telling the story. There's actually a great... there's a great video. I think I found it. All, we had it. All, we'll put it on the web on the uh, on the uh, on the web page. But there's a, it's it's from a party in the mid '80s where these guys are interviewing each other. Right. The comedy outlaws. The Texas. The outlaws, oh yeah, yeah, that's where the Jimmy story, Pineapple uh, stories. Yeah. are, yeah, that's where it's on. Yeah, they're yeah the LSD. Yeah, and they're interviewing each other about their stories. And they're, even then, they're talking about yeah, you would just they'd go out on the road. <clears throat> They'd be out on the road one day, and then their manager would call it and say, "Hey, there's a new club opening up in you know, uh, Bumville, Bumfuckville." And then, like, "Do you want? Can you do it?" He's said, like, "Yeah, I'll do it." You know, and just like you just make all this money. Yeah, you know, I think Bill Hicks' quote was like, "Oh, he you know he was making so much money back then."
0: Yeah, you know, and why turn it? We down. should do we'll do an episode on this of the '80s comedy boom, but that was just what destroyed it. Was there was such a demand for comedy that comedy clubs. Opened everywhere, and then it was like a supply demand thing where there's t- too much demand for comedians, but not a not, they're not a good supply of you know great comedians. So they would start booking you know just shitty mediocre you know that's where the mm-hmm. road hacks come in because there's there's oh, yeah. the opportunity where if you could fill 45 minutes, you know you can make decent money, but people didn't have the time, so they just kind of started stealing and just being hacks and that kind of diluted the product and, you know, that started turning people off. And it was like, you know, evening at the improv, which we did an episode on uh, the history of the improv, you know, that came in and just, you know, it was just too much comedy. And then it just all imploded into itself.
3: Yeah. You can't have too much of a good thing.
0: But before it imploded uh, again, you know, the second most famous person to be a Texas comedy outlaw at the comedy workshop was of course, Sam Kennison, have you
1: seen that? That doesn't happen, you have kids, have you seen those guys? Those guys in the malls with the strollers, have you seen them? (laughs) With that look on their face like they envy the dead. (laughs) Have you seen
0: that documentary, I Am Sam Kennison?
3: Well, somebody sent me a documentary link to watch on a Website that might not have been legal. And I tried to watch some of it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. just you got to Google
0: search it. You you were just two degrees of Kevin Bacon away from finding the actual link. Because <laughs> that, I, yeah, okay, that link didn't work for me, it. but then I found another one. So, anyways, uh, oh, yeah. Sam Kenison, uh, kind of a just an insane story because like he grew up w- with a family, not just like a dad who was an evangelicist. Uh, evangelicist is that the word? Evangelical.
3: Evangelical. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Right. Who had, he was an I can't even, he, he was the national uh, evangelicist. jealous. Help, help. I can't, the words don't work out of my mouth. Why? I got Why the don't, coronavirus. Don't Sorry. <laughs> oh no, my God, dude, no joke I know, I know. Well, don't, I know. Touch I, uh, uh, don't touch your I, face. Don't touch your face, dude. know, I know, I know. So his dad was a preacher at the Church of God in East Peoria. So they're from Illinois originally. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, so not only was his dad a preacher for this church, but the whole family lived in the church, and his Ugh. brothers were Ugh. were preachers as well. Ugh. Yeah. So his uh, his older brothers were preachers, and Sam just you know would he just joined the family business and he became a preacher. And kind of an interest, not interesting thing, but oh, you know, in a way, interesting. But the one thing that uh, his brother, uh, I think his brother's name is Bill, and he's featured in the I Am Sam Kennison documentary. Right, yeah, He said the one thing that kind of changed Sam, and this is the same thing that happened to Roseanne Barr, was uh, when he was a kid, he was hit by a truck. And his brother said after that, uh, he wasn't the same. And that's what they said about, uh, like, Roseanne as well. So, you know, there's a thing of, uh, you know, uh, as we learn about pro football and concussions... So, again, uh, so after um, Sam Kennison was hit by a truck, his brother said, you know, he was never the same after that. But still, he went on and he was a preacher for not one, not two, not three. He was a preacher for seven years.
3: And here's the thing that I didn't know about this. Even while he started, while he was doing stand-up. He would, like, if he needed money, he would and go preach? He would go out and preach. Yeah, <laughs> he would, like, preach to get some yeah, money. Yeah, but
0: also what but also changed it was a, a game changer was he was a preacher for seven years, uh, but then he caught his wife having an affair, which if you go into oh, the classic Sam Kennison bits. Oh, dear. Yeah, but that's, nice. like, the classic Sam Kennison. This is the face, you know, uh, like because yeah. that bit's all about, you know, finding out his wife, like, cheated on him.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. You think you're safe, huh? You people over here, you think you're safe? Do you think you're safe? What's your name? Lou? Lou, you ever been married? you do me a favor? If you ever think you want to get married, if you ever think you've met the right woman, you want to settle down, you want to get a house, you want to get a car, maybe raise a family, do me a favor, will you, Lou? Remember this face.
0: was like the Mm -hmm. routine that put Sam Kenison on the map and like we said he didn't drink until he was 25 and that's I think that's you know roughly around the time he started doing comedy but also another big game changer was uh Rodney Dangerfield was passing through town and he saw Sam Kenison perform at the comedy workshop and I think the actual bit was called the fucking cop's <laughs> mm-hmm. did, you, yeah. did you see that in the documentary? The fucking cops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I mean, like in the bit, they're literally the cops are literally fucking. It was like we're the fucking cops. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that was a bit that uh, Rodney Dangerfield uh, saw, him. and you know, again, it's like what really launched his career was he was on uh, Rodney Dangerfield's young comedian special. You know, yeah. I, was he on the same yeah. one as Yakov Smirnoff? who we talked about in our last episode um, of Comedy History 101.
3: No, I, I don't know. I think that's he the thing was. I think he was. Actually, well, you know what, Harmon? I think this is a whole other episode because I think we should do an episode on the history of the Rodney Deirdre, Well, the special, his special, because that was like so many comedians oh, came yeah. out of his Seinfeld. That was, like, that was it. Dice yes, Clay. That was like the – yeah, yeah, that was like the thing – that was like the thing, that's where the comedians who couldn't get on, mm-hmm. you know, maybe their acts were a little too racy for, you yeah, know. Yeah, they were like the edgy um, comedy. Mainstream TV, the yeah, the edgy comedy. Yeah, yeah and also he,
0: yeah, he filmed so. that at Dangerfield's Comedy Club, which we have to do an episode on because that club still exists. Well, I was going to say it still exists to this day. <laughs> but I know, I know, I know. Who knows, like, yeah. uh, after, sorry, not to be... Downer mm-hmm. history 101 Not today, yeah. yeah but yeah. anyways you know don't that much, that club do is still in, uh, a modern day uh, entity and no uh, no one no okay. one, no one yeah. performs yeah. there you know that I know of it's yeah. like kind of a, a club Sad. lost in time mm. but, but, but the big thing yeah. that really kind of put uh, Sam Kennison on the Texas outlaw uh, map was um, and also just a quick note like his early stuff if you look at the clips of Sam Kennison, like in the early days in Houston, it was sort of like, a, in a way, like a performance artist, you know? It was sort of like in that, uh, kind of almost in like a Andy Kaufman influence type thing. He was heavy on the improv. So, uh, yeah, just really interesting. But the thing that got him banned from uh, performing at the Comedy Annex, which was part of the workshop, was he smashed a stool on stage. So he got, he got booted from performing... At the club. So, Scott, do you
3: know what he did? Well, I mean, he got – he so he had some bit where yeah. he, he would, like, pretend he was riding a bull, bull, and he would use a stool for that. And so he would sit on the stool and then, just, like, smash the stool. And um, he would do that for a few nights. <laughs> and then the people at the club were, like, going, dude, okay, here's the, here's the deal. You um, – you, uh, you you sit on the stool, you pay for it. You smash the stool, you got to pay yeah. for it. So they had a big meeting one day. And like before it wasn't even a show. It was like a pre-meeting or something. And they, they told the other comedians, like, okay, you break it in, you got to pay for it. And and Kinnison comes in there, and he was just like, okay, this is how you, so you want to treat us? He's like, He just, like, picks up a stool and smashes it and throws down $20 <laughs> on the table. It's like, that's it. There you go. That's like how you treat us. And then they were like, okay, you're there. They're like, get the fuck out of here. So he, so they banned him. They banned him from the club. He was, and he was the most popular uh, performer at the club at the time. Dead. So uh, um, this is very legendary. Here is where uh, uh, Kinson felt that he was being, uh, <laughs> he was being persecuted uh, like Christ. Yeah. Yes. So what he did, there was a stop and go. I don't know if, if you're not familiar with the South. This is a uh, kind of like a, a convenience store, like a uh, you know Spady. You would say here in Germany, but, uh, you know, it's a convenience store across the street from the Annex. Uh-huh. And uh, the Annex had a big window <laughs> where everybody could see it that looked out on the store. So, uh, so Kinison would just go out there and he would, like, put a little broomstick behind his arms and pretend he was crucified and then wear a big loincloth <laughs> and then spray ketchup on himself <laughs> and then just do his set, stand out there and go, oh, oh, do his thing. But the thing <laughs> is, he, he, oh,
0: yeah. the audience could see him from the window of, of yeah, the comedy. So Yes. <laughs> the but the other
3: crazy thing is, there's there's videotape. have really? never seen no before. So, I didn't yeah, see it before. Yeah, there's actual videotape from from a lot of the, which we'll post on the yeah. website at Comedy History com. 101com uh, But you can see it. Yeah, there's, there's you know, I actually well, wasn't I, I in the documentary. It just told
0: the story in the documentary. But uh, yeah. no, nah,
3: it was in. I can't remember which one it was. They had like a lot of. They had like a lot of footage of him. Mm-hmm. Um, from from the workshop and they had footage of him doing the crucifixion thing and it's funny because in my mind when I heard the story I always pictured it being like actual like an actual cross and stuff right. and it's like no it's, it's just a broom. just, it's just yes, with, a, with a broom handle behind his arms wearing a big diaper with ketchup yeah. on him going ah <laughs> <don't>, <laughs> just like walking around and again
0: it's, all that it's, kind it's, of funny shit like that you know again reminds me of you know stuff that you can do in smaller cities like you That's the kind of stuff that would happen at the old uh, Velveeta room before it was called the Velve. You know, that kind of like really, everyone knows each other. And like, you know, everyone on 6th Street knows the comics. And, you know, it it was probably the same in Houston where, you know, all that kind of breeds that type of comedy.
3: Yeah, well, they knew it because he, he did that for – I don't remember. He did it for a few days, and then they were like, dude, you can't ban your – because people were coming yeah. to the workshop to see – kennison so they we can't ban him so they had to let him back yeah but him. then so then he then he almost. had his
0: big return so he built it up really yeah. his big return so he rented a limo <laughs> and he turned up back you know because he he was invited back and the first thing he did was he smashed the stool again <laughs>
3: <laughs> that was it I mean so I mean the the way the thing that kind of put these guys on the map after all this as we kind of mentioned a couple times was they did a um they did a, a show in 1985 that was actually called the Texas Outlaws. <clears throat> that was taped by a Houston um, KPRC, yep. I believe it was, and uh, that was taped by a Houston TV station who would play it over the summer. So they were that was how that cemented them, you know, in the eyes of the world as, or you know, in the eyes of Houston as the outlaw comics, and that's how they kind of. Uh, glued it all together. Yeah, but
0: then they also toured under that name. So they would get the uh, Texas Outlaw Comics coming to your town and playing your comedy club. You know, kind of sort of like yep. in uh, not mo- more modern era, the blue-collar comedy tour.
3: <laughs> well, they also, they all together, so like before this, like I think it was, I believe it was 81 or 82. Right. Because that's when they, they all tried to move out there. Yeah. Um. So they, ha- they had this big show in Houston. It was like, oh, this is the Outlaw Comments, We're doing a show. And then we're going to move to L.A. And we'll take the money. And they do the show. And Sam's like, yeah, sorry, we didn't make any money. Uh. You know? And these guys are all like, I think it was like Riley Barber was talking about, yeah, we <laughs> we're waiting on this money and move to L.A. And it's like, then we can't. So at, at one point, I think they all, most of them kind of moved to L.A. And then they... Gradually start trickling back to uh, Houston. Yeah,
0: so what made Sam move to L.A. was he was going out there doing sets. And the comedian that actually talked Sam into moving to L.A., who we've talked about on the show, won Argus Hamilton.
3: Right. Mm -hmm.
0: And I think there was a story in the I Am Sam Kenison documentary where the moment there was a big real estate kind of mogul... Who was at the comedy store, and uh, I think him, Argus and Sam bonded together because the mogul suddenly, like, pulled out like a basketball sized you know, ball of Coke. Is it called a <laughs> ball of Coke? I don't even know what drug terms are. <laughs> but then eight balls. yeah, ball eight ball. So ball then you know, again, it was Argus Hamilton, and also their shared love of Coke that finally coaxed uh, Sam to move from Houston to L.A.
3: Yeah, so I mean, you they know, so they did well, but then it's it's interesting how these guys try to go to L.A. and do their things, and then they wind up coming back to Houston because it's just like they can go, you can go to L.A. and try to try to make it and just like kind of bang your head against the wall, or you can come back to Houston and be part of the Outlaw Comics at the Comedy Workshop, and you've got your own scene. No, they're so they're pretty big. I mean, they they toured around Texas. They did a show in I know I remember they did the show in Austin. Mm-hmm. And they, people, they, they, they were, they were, you know, they, they had no tar, notoriety.
0: Yeah, I mean, they had their moment in, in time, and you mentioned, you know, some of them moved out to L.A. And one of them, who was, uh, you know, Texas outlaw, was uh, Carl LeBove, who lived with Sam at the uh, the the Comedy Store comedy house, which also we've done an episode here on Comedy History One One on the Comedy Store house uh they were mm-hmm. roommates um do you remember that story about carl lebov and his wife
3: no what was it oh uh, so
0: uh carl lebov lived there with his wife and sam kennison was one of their roommates uh i believe carl LeBove's wife got pregnant and as it turned oh, out yeah. it was oh, sam oh, Kennison oh, yeah. was the oh, father
3: yeah. that's right i remember that. yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: whoopsie hello <laughs> yeah so again it's just like uh that was an insane time but then again it's, you know there's always these i think it's just like sort of a under theme of this whole uh story of the texas outlaw comedians is like you know every town has their big stars that you know and, and only you know a few make it so you know out of this whole comedy uh, out of all this, you know, Texas Outlaw co- comedians, you know, that whole group, you know, the only people that made it were Hicks and uh, Kinnison, and like all the other ones are sort of forgotten in time, you know, and we've talked about that, we talked about this also on the Comedy Store um, episode, was there was a comedian named Ollie Joe Prater, who Pauly Shore said uh, was probably the comedian who got the most laughs he's ever seen on stage, and again he's, he's uh-huh. forgotten in history in comedy history 101 or yeah, <laughs> what,
3: what, what, so what, which guy was he was he wasn't he wasn't the lunchbox yet uh, he oh, was
0: man. like a guitar comic but played like a big southern character because he was a southern character and I believe probably either homophobic or slightly racist <laughs> from because I, I, okay. we've we've yeah. had him we featured like a clip of his in one of the comedy store episodes we've done
3: Wow. Yeah. So he, um, wow. He died 1991. Jesus. Wow.
0: Okay. Yeah. But again, like Polly Shore, who grew up in the comedy store, said that he never saw a comedian just kill it as much as Ollie Joe Prater. And oh, he and crazy, he's forgotten man. in history.
3: Oh, he was like the big big. Guy. Okay, I know who he is now. Okay, yeah. So he he was like a big redneck. Yeah, comic. yeah. The yeah,
0: redneck comic, yeah. like okay. not like a Jeff Foxworthy redneck. No, who yeah, worked at yeah, IBM yeah, yeah. as well, yeah. but uh, kind of <laughs> An like engineer. a yeah, 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 yeah. A, a, a actual Redneck Redneck. And what was Ron Ron White's uh, job? He was a big uh, executive too, wasn't he?
3: No, no, Ron White was just he like he was in the Navy for a while. He got he got kicked out of the Navy for uh, smoking dope and stuff. But or,
0: I remember or, seeing a photo of him as Employee of the Month at some corporation. So, I don't know. We we'll, we'll, we'll do,
3: I don't think he was doing Yeah, this. we'll do it,
0: Ron White. But I think this sums it up. Uh, a, a quote from uh, Ron Schock. He says, there are about 60 people out there that claim to have been, uh, you know, Texas comedy outlaws, but they're lying. Um, Shock laughs, adding that the group was often confused with Sam Kennison's outlaws of comedy. Uh, he goes on to say, it got to the point where I don't even use that as a resume item anymore. So, again, I think it's always you know, like that, where if you were probably a Texas comedian of that era, you would say you were one of the Texas comedy outlaws, probably.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of interesting being a – I, th- I like your term for it uh, for my, myself, uh, being a reformed stand-up comedian. <laughs> um, just, oh, wait, oh, you always, are you, you in the show
0: Jokey Okey? <laughs> yeah, no, sorry, I mean, when you look back yeah. and
3: you go, you go – you're like, okay – like, what happened to all these guys yeah. that I knew who were doing stand-up? Like, what where, where do they do now? you know? Because, like, there's – and it is kind of a young man's game. It's just like, this is what you do when you're young. I'm going to try this out. But, yeah, it's really interesting. So I'll, I'll share my own personal huh? experience sure. here. I've been hinting at, Harmon. So, like, when I started doing stand-up, so I started doing stand-up at the Velveeta Room, the old Velveeta Room. Not the Velve. In Austin not no the old velvet room yeah. uh which used to be called the embassy room where it was a strip mm-hmm. bar in, uh, on 6th street in Austin and when i started doing stand up there and their biggest thing was i don't think bill bill hicks never performed there but their thing bill was hicks is- they had a picture yeah. of, they had a picture of bill hicks wearing a velvet room t-shirt and he he knew about the place so yeah. he, he would come there but that's where um our friend johnny hardwick that's where i met johnny hardwick from king of the hill and he started there and um, but the thing is, I remember one day I had to work the door. That was the th- the, always the thing. Did you work stores. the door? When, yep. Yeah. It was like Mark Marin. Mark Marin had to, you had to do the parking lot. I had to, you had to work the door at the Velveeta Room. Yeah. Had to work the door with uh, Riley Barber one day. Mm-hmm. So Riley, oh, was he? Riley he was part of the there. Texas
0: Outlaws, wasn't he?
3: Yeah, he was one of he was in the Outlaws of Comedy. I had, I had to work with the door with him one day, and like I remember Bo Bo the bartender telling me, "Yeah, oh, yeah this guy used to be in the Outlaws of Comedy," and I had no idea who, yeah. he, who he was.
0: Well, that was pre I, pre I, I Twitter, it so it was like you know those. It was pre Twitter. You know yes. how would you you would just it would be more like the kind of caveman telling a story around a campfire, word of mouth. Yeah, yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah. But yeah, he was a nice guy. But it was just like yeah. So he was just like. You know, just just trying to earn a few bucks and like work in the door, and this is like 90, 94. Yeah, 90 dude. Five. I mean, I so
0: think enough. not to end on a downer, but I think what we no, well, well, it was no, 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 but but no, realistic. no, no, no. This I'm I'm providing the downer <laughs> right now. Um, it's it's kind of like what we we we're, we're learning from this era, and this has always sort of been a thing about me, like putting you know. X amount of time into live performance that once your last show is done, it doesn't exist, you know, and what we're learning in this era where all the live venues are, you know, temporary shut, you know, hopefully for a shorter period of time is, okay, if you don't have a stage, you can't do what 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 <laughs> you know? You put so much time into yeah, perfecting. Yeah, used to
3: do. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, you know, thank God, like in this era, people are like trying to evolve. But you know, back then, it's just like, okay, well, once the gigs go, you know, where do you go? You know, you put yeah. you've been a road comic, you know, just sleeping in motels and driving to the next gig and doing one nighters, and you know, once that your tour schedule dries up, it's just like, what do you have?
3: Yeah, when when the Soviet Union falls, and your whole <laughs> <laughs> your whole and your whole material is based yeah, on that. Yeah, as, I mean, that, as, yeah that's the enough, thing yeah. is we're not we're not yeah we're not we're not, we're not to go. You can listen to our last podcast. I mean, you're not making fun of the person. No, you're, I'm just saying it's a hard
0: gig, man. Yeah. It's just like yeah.
3: Yeah, you're, it's, it's it's a hard gig, and you, and you they have no fallback thing. Yeah, it's just it's interesting when like okay, you make your whole your whole comedian persona is based on this one premise that, that there's a soviet there's yeah. union of Yeah and soviet and you're referring who, who to our our to. last uh, <laughs> episode
0: on uh uh yeah. the, the legendary Yakov Smirnov whose whose whole routine was was based on uh you know being that yeah. there's communist russia <laughs> and that it's yeah. done <laughs> well, what
3: yeah. But we got like thumbs up to him he he he's a relationship comedian I mean
0: Dr. Yes, Yakov uh, Smirnov
3: Doctor, Doctor Smirnov,
0: yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like to meet Yakov um, Smirnov. <laughs> I bet he's just a, he's just an interesting man.
3: I, man, he gives he gives a real linen napkin.
0: Yeah, there you go. So um, here's something. I think this is like kind of a footnote to the uh, the uh, Texas Outlaw comedy. Um, in 2017, in Las Vegas, at the Laugh Factory in Las Vegas. Um the there was a listing for the original. It was called the Original Outlaws of Comedy Show at the Laugh Factory. Uh The lineup featured Carl LeBeau, Alan Stephen, Mitchell Walters, uh, and they built it as they all toured with Sam Kennison. So that's they're kind of playing off of (laughs) Sam Kennison's name. So I guess the veteran host who uh, operates the venue, Harry Basil, uh convinced the guys to come and reunite for the week and uh Lebeau described it as a celebration of survival and friendship and a great way to hug your buddies
3: oh that was nice. yeah so though, well, though i think the only
0: original one it was uh carl Lebeau of uh, that
3: yeah i mean to give to give some props up i believe it's so uh, i know for sure it's jimmy pineapple and i th- I think it's Huggins and those guys tour with the, like they're the um, the Sam Kennison. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Jimmy Pineapple, no, who we were talking the, about
0: earlier, who downed, like twenty shots of booze and was laughing about. No, it.
3: they're all they're all they're all they're all um, uh, on the straight and narrow now, and they perform with the reform comedians. I believe. No, know,
0: he or he's or on the or recovery, or clean and sober comedy. Yeah, the tour. recovery.
3: That's that's what I meant. <laughs> that's what I meant. I want someone to give him prop props shout out uh, the recovery com- comedians. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, you can go see them actually.
0: Yeah, here, here. So, so it's yeah, like, yeah. So that's kind of like a yeah. footnote of like that hard parting yeah. '80s comedian. You know, uh, the two top stars are have passed away, and uh, mm-hmm. the hard drinking, like the funny, we're doing tons of shots on stage. They're now on the recovery, clean and sober comedy tour.
3: That's great. Well, more props to them.
0: Yeah. So, so Scott, uh, you are a Houstonite. What is your takeaway, and, and, and what do you think is uh, the Texas outlaw comedians' place in comedy history?
3: Um, if you want to be anywhere, be in Houston in 1985,
0: man. Yeah, I think I think my takeaway is like, again, <laughs> it's just like every every city had their their comedy stars and. You know, you and within that, it creates kind of like a comedy incubator of like-minded comedians. Like you know, you would have the Houston style of doing comedy, and then you know, Austin had its own kind of like you know, edgy doing the edgy experimental kind of comedy. And again, like San Francisco, you know, we had, you know, we had like you know, Kamal Bell and Al Magical and you know, Urge and you know, creating that kind of like you know, smart type of, of comedy, it's like, again, it's like, it's only because of like, you know, like-minded comedians, you know, they bond together and they, they, they create like a Petri dish of, uh, you know, that kind of comedy. And that's like where well, I, the I, Texas I, comedy I, I, came from.
3: I think, I think the Texas com- comedy, <laughs> the, the, te- the Texas comedy is interesting is because they're also away from the limelight, uh-huh. but they're also, they were away from the limelight. So like, it wasn't like in LA, it wasn't like yeah. a comedy store. Or in New York, but also they were, you know they had access to all you know they were in a place where people had a lot of money to spend, right? And they wanted to see comedy, so you know they, they kind of formed their own. you know you had to entertain the crowd, but also but yeah they, these, yeah
0: but it's a, again it's like a place for them to get their voice, so you know Hicks, you know he he mm-hmm. first went to L.A. and he was you know just kind of an all right comic, much like Richard Pryor. You know, when he was playing Vegas and on the Ed Sullivan show was an alright comic. But, you know, he needed to move back to Houston to get his voice. And, you know, also Houston gave Sam Kennison a place to develop and get his voice. So by the time he went to L.A., you know, he was, you know, already Sam Kennison.
3: Yeah, you know, I think think that's what's cool. And that's that's what was cool for me doing stand-up in Austin where you were like, okay, well, we can do our own thing and we're kind of away from other people. You know, you're away from the industry where you don't have to worry about oh I gotta go up and do a tight five or whatever. Oh
0: yeah, but then you know, within that you've got like in Austin as an example, you've got oh MTV coming let's create a show called Austin Stories. And then you know, again again, it's like another oh, another another episode. Mm, (laughs) Oh yeah, there yeah. Oh Uh yeah, yeah. Uh
3: That's a whole nother episode.
0: Exactly, exactly. So uh (laughs) So yeah, so again, uh, I think that does it for the history of the Texas Outlaw comedians. And with that, it's time to plug away. Scott, oh, what thank what, you what hey. events whoa, whoa, that whoa. are you doing from your home that you would like to promote? <laughs>
3: Well, not from my home as much, but uh, as people here have been listening to, uh, uh, I wrote and directed a movie, Harmon also co-wrote it with me, and it produced a movie, a short documentary called Betrayal, which was going to be premiering at the pri- Tribeca Film Festival this month, but it also is yes. going to be tri- tri- premiering at the Tribeca Film Festival this month. They're going to be doing a special online screening. So head over to the Tribeca Film Festival, tribecafilm.com site, to find out more. I believe that's going to be in about two weeks. I think it's going to oh, be on really? okay. the 13th, on the 14th. Yeah, so you guys can check that out. You know, I don't know if they're going to do sell tickets or online tickets. I don't know that quite how that's going to work. And then also, as always, Harmon and I do another podcast called This is the President, where we delve into all things historical with cur- current U.S. presidents, past and present from Trump to FDR all the way back to as far as you want to go. Well, not yet, but as long as they have audio clips, we'll play them. Also, we have a brand spanking new YouTube channel uh, called This is the President. Head over there. Go check it out. We'll do a podcast. We'll put up a video. You can check it out. Watch some videos. It looks great. Thanks.
0: Yeah, here, here. And what I have the plug is also something that Scott is involved with. Next Thursday, April 16th, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, Scott and I will be putting on a show that we have toured around the world called Jokey stand-up comedy, karaoke, and a three-round game show. We'll be doing it via Zoom, or we'll be doing it via Twitch. We Uh, are not going to give you the link, because we had had a story incident that happened last time, (laughs) but you know what? Our learning curve has gone up immensely, so that won't happen. Okay.
3: Oh dear heaven. No, it's a fun show. Oh, uh,
0: so Scott and I will be co-hosting it together and it's like we said we get like five of the funniest comedians in not only New York. Now we can get com- we got comedians from San Francisco and All Los Angeles um,
3: and, and you can join. Our listeners can join Yeah,
0: now. so yes and the link will be twitch.tv Slash Comedy History One Hundred and One. That's our Twitch page for streaming of all our jokey okey shows. So with that, thanks a lot for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. Bye
1: bye. Yo Good thing about doing comedy in russia have captured the audience. Yo stope, everybody so Comedy
3: History One Hundred and One.